Welcome to Career Tools. This week, the fourth part of our series on power, what it is, how to use it, how to get more. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes, and I suggest that you go back and listen to those first, because otherwise this one won't make sense. And again, this is a cast that we already released in the Manager Tools feed. We just think it's so important that we want to make sure everybody hears it. But if you've already listened to it on Manager Tools, then you won't miss anything by skipping this one and going to the next. And I'll let Mike and Mark explain the rest. Welcome to Manager Tools. The three types of power and one to rule them. Part four. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. What are the three types of power in all organizations? What are the limits and uses of those powers? Which powers are easier or harder to attain? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. So let's now talk about relationship power. Yes. Clearly, we think this is where the best place for somebody to spend their time. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Relationship power is the ability to persuade other people to accomplish work based on their trust of you. And as we've said, relationship power is the one power to rule them all. Uh, There's a Lord of the Rings reference for you guys. Pretty soon, maybe I've I've gotten a Star Trek reference. If I can get a Star Wars reference, I've got a Lord of the Rings reference. And then maybe I could figure out a way to get a Princess Bride thing in there. (laughs) I would explain that to you if you're not a Princess Bride fan. Let me me explain. No, wait, there's too much. Let me sum up. You see what I got to go through, guys? Uh, yeah, you, get, you, yeah, you see what he's got to live with? My life is just, nah. Relationship power is the most important power in organizations by far. The unscientific math we've been doing says we're, we have 75% of the power in organizations. The ability to get things done in organizations is relationship power. Building trust such that other people will accomplish work toward your goals or organizational goals, if those are your goals. Role power gets 15%, which is five times less than relationship power, and expertise power gets 10%. Why is relationship power so much more important than the other two? So let's do a couple of simple thought experiments. Suppose a manager uses nothing but role power. He's not liked, he's not uh, you know, he's not appreciated. He's not uniquely smart in a way that other people talk about his gifts and expertise and so on. And as we've said, role power itself is surprisingly limited, right? Imagine further now that again, your boss, you have no trust in him, nor he in you. Okay. And obviously no expertise power. If that were the case, then he would only be able to use role power to have you accomplish tasks that you didn't necessarily see as being part of your role. One of the quotes I read recently when it comes to asking somebody to do something uh, and the young person says, oh, you're asking me to do something. That's not my job. I, I think the quote, no, 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 I may have written this quote coming out of my, my mention in things I think I think were I was really pleased to see that accountants and marketers at UPS, the trucking service, the delivery service, were asked during the Christmas holidays to deliver packages. Now, some of them even delivered in their own car, in their own vehicle. And guys, part of the reason for that economically is why staff up for a two-week period when you can simply ask the people who are already there, who get your mission, who understand it, who don't cost any more money, 
to step up and do go the extra mile. You wouldn't. You'd always ask people. And so a young person says to them, well, that's not what I do. And the senior person looks at them and says, yes, but it's what we do. So if you're a boss and you're asking somebody to switch gears, to do something different, to see something different, and there's no trust and there's no expertise, using role power to have somebody accomplish something that they didn't see as part of their role, that's tough. I mean, you can do it, but again, as I've said a hundred times on the show, you're going to get compliance energy and not commitment energy. Imagine then that you're that boss and you only have role power, okay? No expertise, no trust. Now, compare yourself with who, and you have only role power, with your peer whom you and others would trust with your life. And we're using trust here as a, as a proxy for relationship power. Your peer has roughly the same role power as you do. And the question becomes, is third party, whom would you be willing to do more for? Yourself, your, un, your, your untrustworthy or boss. the one with the relationship power. Right. Or your trusted peer, right? For whom are you willing to give the, more willing to give the last full measure of work devotion? And it's based on relationships, the power of relationships. Okay, the power of trust, really. Consider the situation where you're trying to get something done in another part of the organization. You don't have any relationship there, so you don't know anybody, right? That's the way That's the way relationship power is spoken about. I don't know anybody over there. I think I've told the story before of working in a very large company in a huge building that wasn't very tall but was very long. And um, this one group in D, there's A, B, C, D, and E, this one group in D said to me, uh, they were trying to get something done, and they say, hey, Mark, do you know anybody over in A? I was consulting to them, helping them grow their managers. Do you know anybody over in A? I said, yeah, I know a lot of people. I mean, but why wouldn't you? Oh, no, I never go over there. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Because it was like a mile away. I've been there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was a very, very long place, yeah. So you don't know anybody and have don't any relationships, no, no relationship power elsewhere in the organization, and you don't have time to build trust with someone who is your peer. Although... Hopefully, the moment you hear me say that, folks, you don't have time to build trust with someone, you quickly flip and go, wait, this is what favors are for in organizations. You can get away in some cases with not having a relationship with people, meaning you don't haven't had time to build up trust. However, one of the currencies of trust is the willingness to do things for one another. And so maybe you could do somebody a favor and then you could ask them to return the favor, assuming if they don't know you don't trust you and you don't have a lot of role power that would send them a signal. Perhaps what you could do is do something significant of them and ask for something less significant from them. Now you're beginning to see it. Now suddenly favors matter. Anyway, sorry, side note, we'll have to do a cast on that at some point. You don't have any time to build trust. And they let's say they report to someone who's roughly a peer of your boss. Okay. You ask your boss for some help. Of course, your boss, let's say, has no relationship power over in that part of the organization either. So she tries to use her role power. And she sends an email to your distant peer demanding that he do what you want him to do. And the tone of the email is clearly, you have to do this because I outrank you, right? Well, when your distant peer's boss calls your boss to complain, your boss says, 
but I outrank him and we need this. The reply comes back, yeah, but you don't outrank me. In this case, you're not only not getting what you want, you're now not ever going to get what you want in that part of the organization, probably without eating crow and sucking it up and doing a lot of favors to make up for the embarrassment of essentially turning the crank on the wheels of role power because you didn't have any relationship power. Now, compare that with a situation where you have a good relationship with your distant peer. You ask a favor and it's granted. Happily, happily knowing that you're in his debt. Yeah, it's easy. It's not hard. In fact, despite the fact that many people say, oh, Mark's a very persuasive person. I don't actually think of myself as a terribly persuasive person, but okay, they say it's so, fine. But one of the reasons I believe relationship power is so important, and by the way, the the literature supports me in that, um, is because despite the fact that I've had good relationships, I'm nowhere near as I could have been. And if you ask me for my five greatest career failures, it was not leveraging relationship power when I was 22. We've talked about that before, right, Mike? We have, a number of times. I have the same fault, by the way, so I'm not casting dispersions on you. Yeah. So, guys, because relationship power is available to everyone all the time, relationship power is much more commonly used. That's why it's 75%. Even senior executives use relationship power rather than role power when they can. Think about it. If you're an individual contributor, if you want something from a peer, you can't mandate it. You can't show them the rules because the rules don't apply in detail, uh, in minutiae, down to every single role in the organization that says they have to do what you tell them to do. It's all because they like you and because they trust you. And those of you who don't, in, in, the heart, in your heart of hearts, you know, in the dark night of your soul when it's 3 a.m., if you look in the mirror and you say, people don't like me at work. It's not a surprise then that they won't do stuff for you. You have less relationship power than you need because in an individual contributor job, unless you've had a lot of experience or third-party validation or expertise, all you've got is relationship power. Most people have heard the phrase, at least in the States, an ounce of honey beats a gallon of gall, gall being anger, frustration, force. If we're thinking about frequency of use of different types of power, think of the ratio of first-line managers and all their direct reports put together versus senior executives. The number of those two groups, managers and first-line and, and, and individual contributors, all totaled one, and the number of senior executives. Even if senior executives were only using role power and the folks at the bottom were only using relationship power, relationship power still wins that argument big time, 10 to 1, 100 to 1, 1,000 to 1. The ability to get work done at the lowest levels of organizations is almost exclusively relationship power. Trust, professionalism, do, doing what you say you're going to do, being kind to other people. That volume of exerted power cannot be overcome by role power from a few senior executives. And in fact, senior executives, when you hear them talking, they don't say they're doing it because of role power. In fact, many of them come across as if they think their role entitles them to be experts. And to some degree, it does because they're expert at getting things done in an organization and the third-party validation or the promotions they keep getting. 
But they actually talk, a lot of executives talk in terms of rationality about why the organization should do something. When in fact, the smarter path is relationship power, is building trust in the organization. Look, think about this further. In the modern organization of today, 2018, for good or ill, and I would say ill, there's a move toward less hierarchy. I would say ill if we're talking about an organization with the appropriate number of levels in it. Mankind is never going to go away from a hierarchical structure. You can keep trying, folks, but it won't work. There's all kinds of scientific proof from that, including lobsters, actually. So if we go less vertical, we become more flat, which means assuming the same number of people in two different organizations, one being more flat, it becomes a wider organization, meaning every manager has more direct reports. That means role power being even more attenuated. That means you'll need to know people, people who trust you in other parts of the organization. You know what's funny about this is the number of people in technology roles whose organizations have some modified matrix structure within them and then say all the time, well, you've got to help me with the matrix structure. I can't get anything done and I can't get my people to one project manager one-on-ones and I, you know, I can't get feedback. I don't have power. Like, dude, dude, you were... you're the one you wanted your expertise to be rewarded. Well, matrix organizations are designed to protect expertise power. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean when the organization goes flatter and you don't have role power, suddenly you have to use relationship power? It's almost as if you're saying, I only want there to be two powers, expertise power and role power. And of course, I, if I said that, one of them was, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because <laughs> people are such a pain. Yeah, well, we agree with you to some degree. Look, we said about role and expertise power that they require external validation. It's external because the source of validation is separate from the object of your attention. I want to say that again because I can see the relationship power. Well, relationship power requires other people to feel good about it. Yeah, but we consider role and expertise power to be externally validated because the source of validation is separate from the object of your attention. Relationship power doesn't have that problem. To gain relationship power over someone, sounds terrible saying it that way, all it takes is you and them. I'll tell you a funny story from my, uh, from my disc profile. Uh, some of you, uh, maybe, maybe the people who like this story are not listening anymore, <laughs> which is okay because the podcast is free. Uh, my disc profile, for those of you who know disc, is 7711, high D, high I. In fact, I have the highest D and I score you can have and virtually no S or no C. Now, anyone in manager tools can tell you that. The pattern, the classical pattern, which by the way, if you if you have the most modern version of disk, I think it's called everything disk, uh, you don't get this. But in the classical patterns that come with disk 2.0, I have what is known as an inspirational pattern. And there's a line in my disk profile which says, people feel curiously drawn and yet distance from persons with inspirational patterns. And if you think about that, it's the high D pushing you away. I don't like you. I just want you to do what I want you to do. And the high I, hey, I like you. Let's be friends. And then the next line, it says, people often feel a sense to talk about feeling manipulated by people with inspirational powers. Right. The first one didn't sound that bad. The second one, though. Yeah, it sounds terrible, right? Now, now, for the record, guys, if you're not familiar with this, every single profile has at least one 
line in there that expresses a significant weakness. And because I was young when I first took the disc, I immediately rebelled against that and said, well, you know, there's 20 sentences here. One of them's got to be wrong. They can't be 100% right. They can only be 95% right. And I said, well, okay, that one's wrong, which, of course, is one of the fundamental weaknesses of young people. And uh, so I went to my mentor and said, you know, this is wrong. It's not right. And he says, well, you know, okay, fine, if you think that. But no, I can tell you, Mark, it's right. And I was just flabbergasted. Here's this guy I respect and trust, and he's saying, "Now, nah, yeah, that's that's right. That's what people think about you." I said, "It's not so." He said, and I said, he, "In order for me, I've never manipulated a person in my life. I don't want to do it. I won't do it. It's unethical." And he said, "Mark, you're missing the point. If you're an inspirational person, if you're friendly, you're outgoing, you build trust with other people, and then you start doing favors for them, and they do favors for you." I said, "Yeah, that's normal." right? It's totally normal. You know, he basically said, and not to, not the same words, you're using relationship power, okay? He says, but some people in the world are so purely analytical, factual, logical, linear, rational, that any attempt to befriend them or to use personality or trust that is not logical, that is not empirically based, is manipulative, and I said, well, no, it's not manipulative. He says, Mark, just because you're not manipulating, because I said, you, I'd have to have a dark, me, to me, manipulation is me having a dark spot on my heart and convincing someone else to do something that they think temporarily benefits them, but in fact, it largely benefits me later to their detriment. I mean, that's conniving. That's, it's evil. It's, it's unethical. I don't do it. And he said, Mark, you're missing the point. You don't manipulate people in your heart and in your mind but they feel manipulated. And I was just stunned. I, I was, I literally could not even handle it. Now I get it. I totally get it. And for those people who are going to feel that way, I have to modify my approach, which of course they're listening to and go, oh no, you can't modify your approach. You can't be different with me as somebody else. I laugh and go, okay, yeah. So you talk to me exactly the way you talk to your mother, right? Or your kids, right? Or your boss, right? Or your pastor or whatever. Yeah, sure, no. So anyway, everybody values the powers differently. And even if you are a relationship power person, and I think of myself as that, even though we have a lot of data to back ourselves up, there are weaknesses associated with all of these. But look, how do we get relationship power, right? If we take trust as our proxy, and by the way, if you ever are thinking about relationship power and you think about romantic relationship power and you think about like and love as examples of metrics in, in the process, like is not good because there are people who will like you, but who don't trust you, right? If you're not an ethical person or if they've, they've been burned by trusting you before. Yeah, I like him. I just don't, don't know I want him on my team. Great guy, super friendly and everything, but yeah, I don't know. What you want to talk about is trust and not liking. If we take trust as our proxy, then if you've been listening for 13 years now, you know what to do. Trust is built through trustworthy communication. And by the way, folks, if, if I know that probably bums you out. I was like, hey, he used the word in the definition. I'll come back to that. But for now, if you're not a trustworthy person, don't expect us to help you build trust because sooner or later you'll be found out. And I don't want you telling people you listen to Manager Tools anyway. Yeah, the way we build trust with other human beings is communication. 
which of course causes all the people who want expertise power to go, oh my gosh, you mean I got to talk to other people? No, I don't want to do that. But remember the basic underlying principles about communication. Communication is valued among human beings based on two factors, quantity and quality. My ability to judge your trustworthiness, my feelings about you are largely determined through our interpersonal communication. And the two ways I measure that are quantity and quality. Quantity is basically frequency. How often do you communicate with me? And we've got maps, internal maps of organizations, emails and text messages and meetings and so on. And we can make a map of who trusts other people based on who they talk to and who your best friend is. Your best friend is the person who's call your answer. Quality, though, is different. Quality is measured by whether or not you communicate with me about things that are important to me. And if you didn't realize it, and of course now many of you who are listening realize we're talking about the fundamental purpose of one-on-ones, which are meant to build relationship power to essentially avoid you using only role power, especially early in your career when you don't have expertise power. Oh, look, (laughs) the secret plan is revealed. If you want more relationship power, the most important power, and the easiest one for any of us to get, all you have to do is work on building trusting relationship with those around you. Tell the truth. Be polite. Help other people. Over-communicate. When you communicate with another person, you're sending a message to them that you see them as worthy. If you sit in your cube and you don't communicate, you are essentially perceived as judging other people, whether you mean it or not. I'm not manipulative, but some people still think I am. You might as well get that through your head. Learn how to ask questions about other people in conversation. Remember people's names or be willing to ask when you forget. And there's a cast for that. Keep track of what's important to other people, like their spouse's name, like their kids' names, like their hobbies, like which English Premier League team they follow. And I'm going to leave with this. Imagine what kind of boss you can be when you combine role power and relationship power. Having to constantly express role power proves how little relationship power you have. And guys, if you haven't figured it out yet, in times of crises, relationships are the things that provide stability, not role power. Think of this way, guys. Seriously, in what other area is there something that's the most important that's also the easiest to get? Apparently, when it comes to power, you don't have to die to get to heaven. So, who knew? All right. Awesome, my friend. Enjoyed that immensely. Good fun. All right, man. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great one. So long.